Romans chapter 5 and beginning with verse 6. For while we were weak, still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Although perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more we sh- uh, shall we be saved by faith from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Heavenly Father, Together we've read your word. Speak to our hearts. Give us the message, individually and collectively, the message that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you look in this passage of Scripture, it talks about while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But if you notice, there's three times, at least in this translation, it uses the term reconcile or reconciled, reconciliation. But what does that mean? To be reconciled to somebody, it means that there was a relationship that was broken. There was a broken relationship that has now been made right or corrected. See, when God created human beings, when God created Adam, what was that purpose The purpose of that creation was for us to walk and talk with God. The word Adam means mankind. So that God created us in this right relationship with Him. That human beings would walk and talk and live with Him. And we were in complete harmony with God. But God knew it was not good for man to be alone. So he created a woman to be beside him. And Eve means the mother of all living. And so there was Adam and Eve. And they were given a command that they would be fruitful and multiply. And God's plan from the very beginning was that the world would be filled with people who were walking and talking with Him, living in a right relationship with Him, and living in complete harmony with one another. That this relationship between one another would be the complete harmony. There wouldn't be arguments, anger, hatred. Because we would be walking with God just as they're walking with God, and we would walk with each other. But there was another relationship. Man had a relationship with the world around him. God created a garden and Adam and Eve were happy and content working in the garden. They had a right relationship with their environment. The animals had a right relationship with one another as God gave plants to the animals to eat. And he gave plants to human beings to eat. And there was a peaceful 
peaceful world around them where there were not problems, there were not difficulties, there were not weeds, there were not thistles, there were not thorns. It was a perfect place. It was paradise. We still talk about paradise being the Garden of Eden. The place where there are no troubles, no problems. Where work is happy and we can work. But see, there was also another relationship. When God created human beings, human beings knew their purpose in life. They, had, they, they were at harmony with themselves. They knew who they were. They knew why they existed. And they lived in that relationship of man with God and with each other and with their environment. And there wasn't the self-doubt. There wasn't the broken perspective within human beings. That man lived at peace with himself. I can't imagine that. But that's the way it was. It was a world of peace, harmony, joy. Everything that we as human beings look for was there. But the man and the woman rejected the command of God and did that which they were told not to do. And the relationship between God and human beings was broken. And suddenly comes flooding into the heart of man the guilt, for he knew he had broken what God had said. He had broken the law. In came the fear and the shame. The horror, the blackness comes flooding into his heart. So when God comes to speak with man, man knows he's guilty, so he hides himself. He's ashamed. I hid myself, for I'm naked. Ashamed, I heard your voice and I was afraid. Instead of walking with God, they're now afraid of God. Instead of a life of peace and harmony, it is broken. Because the harmony with God was broken, the relationship with other human beings is broken. Suddenly in comes anger, fear, hatred, jealousy. It grew so rapidly that Cain... Adam and Eve's firstborn killed Abel out of jealousy. His brother, the secondborn. As sin just sweeps in and destroys human relationships. And it's ripped apart. Families are ripped apart. Friendships are ripped apart today because of our rebellion against God. But there was something else that happened. The very world around Adam and Eve paid the price for their sin. Where suddenly it's thorns and thistles and it's hard work and work became tedious instead of a joy. And I don't know the mechanism that happened, but the ripples of that sin, that explosive power of rebellion ripped throughout the universe. To where the Bible says the whole world today, the whole world waits, the whole universe waits for the reconciliation. It groans. 
And I don't know how, but somehow our rebellion and our sin has rippled through space through the very farthest reach to the farthest galaxy, the farthest star. And it's rippled out and we continue to destroy our environment because we've lost our connection with our Creator. We lost sight of whose creation it is. But man also lost the connection with himself. He goes into an identity crisis. If I cannot do that for which I was created, who am I? We were created to walk with God and that relationship has been broken. I can't do the very thing I was created to do. So who am I? I love the space program. I love hearing about it. And you see that we spend billions and billions and billions of dollars looking out into space. And over and over you'll hear scientists say, we're looking for what is our place in the universe. Where do human beings belong? Because our identity has been ripped away because we've ripped it away from God. We said, no, God, you're not our identity. We don't see ourselves in you. We're our God, or we've got another God. And it's just ripped apart. I worked for four years in a psychiatric hospital. I can't tell you person after person that came through not understanding who they were. Facing depression. Facing alcoholism because they don't know how to face life. They just couldn't understand. And they were seeking something in their life. They had no idea what they were looking for. Just something had to fill the void. And it was gone. When Adam and Eve first sinned, they tried to hide themselves in uh, um, uh, fig leaves. And they covered themselves with leaves. And you know, when God came and talked to them, leaves weren't enough. God Himself took an animal and He took the skins of the animal and He made a covering for them. And that was the first sacrifice there. I don't know if you can see it. That's a little lamb and a knife that's about ready to be killed because without blood, the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. For the wages of sin is death. That's what we work for. When we sin, we earn death. That's our paycheck. Just as if we were working a job. That's what we did. Get. Some people say a loving God would never send somebody to hell. God doesn't send them to hell. They send themselves Jesus said, I did not come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world because the world's already judged because they've rejected Christ. They've rejected God. You judge yourself by rejecting the salvation. And so through the death of an innocent animal, the innocent dying for the guilty, there was a temporary restoration, a temporary covering for sin. That didn't make the relationship right. It was something that, that paid the price. 
God also gave the law that, that we were to, to, to follow. These, everybody talks about reading the Old Testament and how many rules there are. But the purpose was that we would learn what it takes to walk with God. The book of Leviticus, the, the, or third, third Moses, whichever tradition, however you call it, it's one of the most quoted books in the New Testament. Because that whole book is about what it takes to walk in a relationship with God. And there were sacrifices that had to be made for the individual, and there were sacrifices that had to be made for the whole community. And the whole thing, it's about holy community. What does it take for us as the people of God to live as God wants us to do? And there's rules like, um, you find your neighbor's animal, what are you supposed to do with it? Nobody ever realizes that's a rule in the, in the Old Testament, those rules you're supposed to follow. If you find your neighbor's animal, you're supposed to take care of it till you can get it back to him. Why? Because that's the right thing to do. It was about us living together in a relationship with God and through that temporary sacrifice. God, he called a man named Abraham. He said, I'm going to start over and I'm going to create a new people from you. And Abraham became the father of Isaac. Isaac became the father of Jacob. And Jacob became the father of 12 sons that became the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, one that fights with God. Which is kind of interesting. The man of God who's starting this whole new people is the guy that fights with him, wrestles. He ran away. He struggled with that broken relationship. But God still used him. And God led them into a new land. And he says, you know what? You're not going to have a king. I'm going to be your king. You're not going to have a king like everybody else. I am to be your king, and you are to be my people. And you know what the people said? Nah. We want a king like everybody else. They rebelled against God. And so God spoke through Samuel, and he said, you warn the people. If you have a king, you know what that king's going to do? He's going to take your best land away from you. He's going to take his first. He's going to tax you and he's going to take all your best food, all your best grain. And then he's going to take your children and he's going to send your kids off to war. And you're going to lose your children in war because you want a king other than me. And you know what the people said? We don't care. We want a king. They rebelled against God. God didn't just give them a king. He also built a temple in their presence. At first, it was, it was a, a, a tent, a tent of meeting. But there was a place where God's own glory rested. Yeah, it's a little bitty temple. You can't see it, but there's a star of David up at the top, that little, little asterisk. That yes. He said this was his presence actually came down and filled the Holy of Holies. And you know what the people did? They had the temple. and They began to worship the building. 
Instead of the God that it represented, they began to worship the building itself where the building was so important. And so they would go to the temple, they would offer sacrifices to God, then they would go out to the field and they would offer sacrifices to an idol, to another God. They turned their back on the God who was living in their presence to the point where God wiped out that temple let them off into captivity, brings them back. They get to build another temple. And what do they do? They start to worship the building again. In the time of Jesus, there's time. Oh, look at all the pretty stones. Isn't this going to be a beautiful temple? The building became more important to them than the God that the building represented. And here it was, lost humanity that keeps turning their back on God, keep refusing to follow God, they keep breaking His laws. So at the right time, God Himself, the Creator, becomes part of His own creation to redeem His creation back to Him. To reconcile us back to God. That He came and He died. And according to the passage we read, He died. He paid the price for our sin. His death was enough to pay that price. But He didn't stop there. He didn't stop. He rose again to bring us new life. That's why the passages say that we are born again. It says we are a new creation. For baptism, we are buried by death into baptism, into the grave. As He was raised up from the dead by the power of the Father, we too are to walk in newness of life, dead, buried, risen again. That He came to bring us life. And He restored, through Jesus Christ, He restored that relationship between God and human beings. That we can once again walk into the presence of God while we may not hear Him with physical ears. We may not get to see Him with physical eyes. We walk into the presence of God through the blood of Jesus Christ and He talks with us through His Word. He talks through us through life. He talks with us through the brotherhood. He talks with us through the circumstances in our life. He becomes our friend. As Scott said earlier, while we were enemies with God, He makes us His friend. And He restores that relationship, which then means we can restore the relationship with others. That we can begin to walk and to be reconciled one to another through Jesus Christ, through His blood. But we also come to understand that this world and all that is in it belongs to God. And we understand that we are stewards of that which God gives us. We have a whole new understanding of stewardship of the life or of the world around us and the events. Not the events, the things, the material possessions around us. That those are God's and we use them for His glory. 
We should be the ones that care the most about taking care of what God has given us. But man can again find his identity through Jesus Christ and through the relationship that he has with God. I know I'm a little old-fashioned. I keep saying man when I mean mankind, human beings. We all have that ability to find the relationship restored as the blood of Jesus Christ has bridged over that broken relationship. On the cross of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ came and He died as the final sacrifice. The innocent died for the guilty. That is one reason I believe Christianity is the only logical religion. If you look in this world today, the guilty or the innocent always pay the price for the guilty. If somebody steals from you, are you guilty that you're stolen from? No. You pay the price for somebody else's guilt. It's the victim that pays the price for the murderer. He may also pay a price, but in this world, it is always the innocent that pays for the guilty. And Jesus Christ came out of His love and He demonstrated it. He didn't just say He loved us, but He showed us that while we're still separated from Him, while we're still sinners, He died for us. He was the sacrifice. He paid the price. And He put a new law in our hearts. Not just a law that's rules to be followed, but it was a laws and rules out of a relationship that He put within us His own Word. And He becomes our King, our Lord, our Savior. He is the one that we are to follow and we are to obey. He becomes the sovereign of our life. And we become His temple. We are living stones being built up into the temple of the Holy Spirit. Individually, the Holy Spirit indwells us and we together collect living stones are the temple of the Holy Spirit as God indwells us to take this message on out. It is not our message. It is God's message. That's why we need to be like the donkey. Lift up Jesus and take Him out into the world. That message. He is sovereign God. He's already out there. But there's a lot of people that haven't heard that message yet. So we need to be the one carrying the message out there and sharing it with others because people are lost and they're living in all these broken relationships and they need to hear of the reconciliation, reconciled to God, reconciled to others, reconciled to the world around us and reconciled to ourselves. They desperately need that message. But you know, The message doesn't end at the cross. There's coming a time where God himself is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And it is going to be in complete harmony. 
Once again, it's going to go back. Was it exactly like in, in, when he first created the world? Is the second one going to be exactly? I don't know, but this I do know. I do know it's going to be in complete harmony. We're going to have the peace. We're going to find our purpose. There's not going to be anger and envy. There's not going to be the jealousy, hatred. There's not going to be thorns and thistles when we work. Or tech problems. <laughs> that it's going to be recreated in complete harmony with God, with each other. And those that get to take place, those who are going to live in this new earth, are those who make the decision to follow Christ here on this earth. When you come and you stand before heaven, there's going to be a big sign that says reserved. Have you you've ever walked into a restaurant and you see all these tables and every one of them says reserved? Sorry, we don't have a place for you because this table's reserved. Well, heaven's reserved for Jesus Christ and his disciples. I am not asking you who wants to go to heaven. Because really, who's going to say, nah, I want to burn for eternity in hell? I mean, you get a few people that do that. Everybody says, yes, I want to go to heaven. But no, heaven's reserved for Jesus Christ and his disciples. The real question is, do you want to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you truly sorry for what you have done wrong in your life? Do you want to live in a right relationship with God and with others? That is the real question. Not do you want to go to heaven. Heaven is the final destination or the new heaven, the new earth. Exactly how it's going to look, I don't know. But it is reserved for those people who choose to follow him now.